Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snack Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Canon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Canon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We are in one of the most fun weeks in the offseason, or irritating, depending on how you feel, the week between the NHL draft and the start of free agency. Whatever you feel, you're looking at Twitter a lot this week. We'll talk about how the Blue Jackets did at the draft, as well as their chances in the upcoming free agent frenzy. Plus, we've got new rule changes, development camp, a new schedule, and a whole lot more. Thanks for joining us. I am Ryan Real. Joining us for this episode, we've got William Chase. Hey, Will. Hey, how's it going? Good. And we've got fresh off vacation, Pale Dragon. PD, how's it going? Feeling good. Good, good. Glad to have you back. Guys, we have a lot to talk about this episode. We'll start off with the NHL draft. Obviously, the Blue Jackets only coming in with two picks. They traded to drop down around and got three players, Eric Hjorth, Dmitry Voronkov, and Tyler Angle. Not really the... Trade bonanza people were expecting or hoping for, but they came away with more guys than they than they did when they went in. So how, how are we feeling about the draft? Well, I was looking at on The Athletic, um, there was an article by Corey Pronman um, regarding the uh, Blue Jackets draft and kind of their grade for it. And he gave them a C minus. And obviously we're talking about guys that we don't know anything about, at least going in, or at least I didn't. Um, and we're kind of just going based on, I guess, their scouting report or their potential. And he gave him a C minus, but he likes the three guys that they drafted. Although there are some, uh, I don't know, less than, I guess, ideal, uh, you know, one line basically summing up what they might be like. Uh, for instance, um, Dmitry Voronkov, is that how you say his name? He, he thinks of him as a legit NHL, uh, you know, player or has a legit chance in the NHL. But he, he says, and he doesn't really elaborate, but he says, I admit I'm on an island with him. So obviously, you know, whether it's something like that or like, um, I think it was Eric. I'm not sure how you say that name either. Eric, is it Yorth? Yeah, you're, you're probably right. I probably shouldn't have pronounced yeah, the H earlier. But. Yeah, he's had a knee injury. So, I mean, it sounds like if he's healthy, he could be a very... Uh, you know, have a very good, uh, I guess, very good potential at least. But, you know, in general, we're talking about guys that at the very, at least you hope, crack the NHL picture within the next couple of seasons or so. So, um, 
I don't know. It's it's. I'm just hoping that because it's such a limited uh, draft for the Blue Jackets anyway with three picks, or at least they got three picks going in with just the two draft picks, um, hoping that, you know, they can at least catch gold with at least two of the three at least. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm sure PD has a little bit more that he can elaborate on, though. I, I, I never get too enthused for the NHL draft because, I mean, I'll be honest, I don't – I don't follow other levels of hockey, really, so I don't know anything about these prospects. I'm relying on what all the experts say, and you know, and sometimes that conventional wisdom can be wrong. Look at you know Pierre Luc Dubois versus Jesse Puljujarvi. So, uh, and also there's just the fact that outside of the maybe top ten picks, there's just a very high risk with a lot of these players, or you just you don't know if they're going to be good or not. They're basically they're, it's a bunch of lottery tickets. Um, so I guess it's good that the Jackets found a way to get one more pick than they came in with. Um, and now, are any of these guys going to be impact players? I don't know. I think if just one of them becomes a solid NHLer, then I'll consider that a victory. Uh, now, I do like some things about some of these guys. Uh, Tyler Engel, I like that he is a very small player. I always root for the short guys. <laughs> um, so so he could be uh, another guy like Trey Fix Wolanski that we drafted last year. Um, now, there's obviously a lot stacking up against them, but I like that just the lack of size is not alone a, a reason for disqualifying a guy. So we'll see what happens with him. Uh, Voronkov, on the other hand, sounds like a big guy, big forward, similar to Kirill Marchenko that we drafted last year. Uh, I saw that he was captain of the Russia U19 team recently. I, he could That could be a high upside pick. Uh, but none of these guys are obviously going to move the needle this year or even the year after. Um, but long term, you know, maybe one of them, maybe one of them pans out. Just, uh, yeah, jumping on the thing about the height. That was kind of one of the themes I kept seeing, too, was a lot of NHL, I guess, executives seem to think uh, bigger is better. Or maybe they're finally catching on that, hey, small players, smaller players can contribute, too. But, yeah, I think uh, I, I'm kind of with PD on the you know, not that small is necessarily like the defining quality, but certainly isn't a bad thing either. Well, I, I think the the league has caught on in recent years that yeah, small players can play. Um, but I, I think you you don't want to put your eggs in any one basket. You know, don't right. disqualify them, but don't have a team entirely with small players because if you go up against a big physical team. <laughs> Uh, then you're 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 going to be in trouble. But it's nice to have you know a Cam Atkinson and then a Josh Anderson. You know they each bring right. different things to the table, and it's nice to be able to throw different looks at the opponent. I'm with you, PD. I find it hard to get up for the NHL drafts, and I joked on Twitter a couple weeks ago that I was actually thankful to Yarmo that I didn't have to pay attention to the draft. Which, <laughs> by the way, shout out to Eric Seeds for covering the draft for us. One day he can say that he covered the entire Columbus Blue Jackets 2019 draft and just hope that no one will remember it was only three picks. But still, thanks to him. Go check out those articles if you haven't. So this year was kind of like, okay, yeah, they, they got three picks. And I think we all were curious to see who's going to go. We talked, a lot of people talked about Milano and Murray and which one of them will be headed out in return for, for a couple picks. And Because we know Yarmo loves the draft and he's good at the draft. The Jackets have a, a robust scouting department. Knowing that and knowing that he's not afraid to make deals, you're thinking, okay, yeah, something's going to happen. And in the end, only the one deal for the two more picks, which I think everybody's okay with. So not not the barn burner of a draft that people may have been hoping for, just just for the drama aspect and, and 
obviously the franchise getting better. But this is the hand that, that the Jackets dealt themselves. We knew this going in. We knew this from deadline day that the Jackets weren't going to have anything in the draft. And, and so that's that's what that's what they had. That's what they got. They did this to themselves if it turns out to be bad. So we'll see. It'll take years to find out. It'll take years to find out what happened from this past weekend. But always cool. The draft is always cool to see guys, if nothing else, achieve a dream, make it to the show. I think my best, my, my favorite moment of the draft, though, is that uh, the guy that the Red Wings drafted in the first round, uh, Cider, who <laughs> he even looked surprised. <laughs> yes. He was being drafted that night. Coming down the stairs. Yeah, that was, that was awesome. That was cool. That was cool. And a couple of those guys are going to be in development camp, the Jackets are hoping, uh, which starts, if you're listening to this podcast, it starts today on Tuesday. A lot of guys, there was a great analogy that we had in the Slack. I can't remember who came up with it. I don't know if it was UPD, but Alexander Texier will be at the draft or at the development camp rather. And the, I don't, I don't want to step on it. If you have the analogy, please, please share it because it's very, very. Yo, oh yeah. It's just, just that it's kind of like getting stuck at the kids table. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here's a guy who, who has played NHL games, played in the playoffs, scored in the goals playoffs. in the playoffs. Yes. And, and yeah, he's going to be playing with, uh, you know, a bunch of recent draftees and, and guys that were not even drafted or just invited to the thing. But, uh, Age-wise, though, it makes sense. These sure. guys are still sort of his peers. And I honestly, I, I don't have a problem with him. I'm glad to see him take part in it because more reps can't hurt at this point. And I hope that he spends a lot of time in Columbus this summer because I feel like there's a lot of physical development that he can be doing here. Uh, that was something we saw in the Boston series that it looked like he was just overmatched physically. So we know he's got some of the, the hockey skills there, but if he can just get a little bit stronger – then I think he can uh, continue to contribute next season. Yeah, the takeaway from for me from the with the development camp is just these players that we may not know a ton about, where you haven't seen a lot of them or any of them at all, and just kind of hearing more, I guess, tidbits. I know it's summer and it's hard to get maybe put too much stock into it, but these guys are on the ice and will be on the ice and just kind of hearing some of the, you know, potential praise and things that, you know, maybe like you said, Texier or another player that maybe puts on a really good show and maybe he's up on the blue jackets this season and, you know, maybe something about him stuck out at development camp. So just kind of a chance to um, kind of see what these guys are made of and take up from there. Yeah, and there's some guys that I'd be curious to to get a look at for the first time. Guys like uh, the goalies Daniel Tarasov and uh, Viney Bevelainen. Those uh, those guys look pretty good. Um, I'm curious on the on the in the invite side of things. Uh, one of the guys there is uh, Patrick Kodarenko, who is uh, from Michigan State, and I've got a, a friend who's a big Michigan State hockey fan, and uh, he's excited for that guy to get a look. He was part of one of the top scoring lines in all of college hockey last year. Hmm. So, you Great know, maybe he had, maybe he's got a good camp and impresses and, uh, and gets invited to, uh, to the, the big camp, uh, in September. That'd be, that'd be cool to see. So I'm, I'm excited to get a look at Emil Bemstrom, uh, cause he obviously tore things up in Sweden. And I think the team looks at him as perhaps playing a big role this next season. Yarmo at the draft alluded to his, um, his power play potential. So it sounds like right off the bat, if nothing else, they would use him on the power play. Uh, I've seen the clips. His shot from the left circle is Ovechkin-like. So uh, that could maybe help us miss Pernarin just a little bit less next year. Regarding uh, Bemstrom, uh, 
Jeff Sabota on uh, the Jackets Insider on Twitter earlier today said he wasn't saying he's Ovechkin or that he's going to be Ovechkin, but he said when you watch his highlights, there the, the similarities at least come to mind. So that's obviously kind of exciting just to even have that potential comparison, not getting too ahead of it. Right, exactly. Thing. But yeah, it's kind of nice to hear though. Jeremy Crow, who's a great follow on Twitter, 307X, he uh, works for the Steelheads in the OHL and he pays attention to the junior leagues. He mentioned uh, Justin Bergeron, a development camp in Baitee. He's two days, he's born two days before the draft cutoff, so he's very young overager, but uh, 57 points in 65 games in the queue, sixth among QMJHL defensemen and five on five points and points per 60. So very solid offensive D-man coming in development camp as, as one of those free agent invites. So this is the fun time. So you can see the, the, the young guys and just looking at the roster. I don't want to blabber the point, but it is fun to see guys five, seven, five, eight, five, nine in there. There's quite a few on the forward side, defenseman side, it's pretty much six, six feet or taller, but it's so wild to see how the league has come that way. I cannot remember who shared it, but somebody a couple weeks ago shared a, a chart charts of every single NHL team with respect to size and the the height has just gone down over the past couple of years. It's really kind of plummeted as, you know, you see success with it from guys like Johnny Goudreau and Cam Atkinson. I mean, if, if Panarin leaves, you're looking at Cam Atkinson as the, as the best offensive play on the Jackets right now. So you can definitely see it and it's neat to see. And, and just looking at the development camp invites is showing up there a little bit on the, on the size trend. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Free agency starts next week. It's all we've thought about probably the past couple of weeks since the playoffs, since the trade deadline. Who's going to stay? Who's going to go? Eric Seeds wrote a piece about it on the website. You can read jacketscanon.com. There's a lot of rumors and a lot of will they, won't they? Who's going to go? Who's going to stay? Matthew Shane, Artemi Panarin, Sergei Bobrovsky, the big three, four, the Blue Jackets. At, at some point, you think about it too much and you kind of fold back in on yourself. You kind of think, I don't care if they go or, you know, we can replace them or it'd be great if they stay. I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if you guys feel that way. I feel like I've thought about it way too much. What, what's your take heading into the opening of free agency? Yeah, I, I'm a bit sick of all the speculation at this point, um, especially people that are already freaking out about these players leaving. Uh, first of all, we don't know for sure that Duchesne's going to go. So I'm still holding out hope that, that he can resign here. But Basically, there's still a long offseason before we actually see, you know, who's on the roster on opening night. Um, and so, like, let's give Yarmo some time to work. You know, he's got he can still sign free agents. He can still swing some trades. You know, at this point in previous summers, you know, we hadn't yet had, you know, the Saad trade or the Panarin trade. True. So. I think that is still yet to come. And I also think that Yarmo has been pretty good about not tipping his hand. You know, a lot of those trades kind of came out of left field. It's like, oh, wow, you got that guy? Like, I didn't know that was even a possibility. So there could be something yet to happen that we can't foresee. 
yet. Um, but mostly I'm just tired of, of all of the, the, this just dragging on and, and will they or won't they? And, you know, in the case of the Russians, I hate to see them go, but it'll nice to just be done with that chapter. Okay. Mm. And not have to have that cloud looming. Like if they're gone, they're just gone and we can move forward. And, you know, maybe we can be like the Islanders and lose a great player and not suffer for it, you know, still be competitive next year. That's what I'm hoping. And Duchesne, uh, I I feel the Nashville thing is really weird to me because it feels like it's so much based upon like what he likes country music and that's why (laughs) Nashville is a, is a leading destination. It also feels like one of those things where I'm not sure what the sourcing is on that. It's like reporters just repeat that often enough that just becomes fact that, Oh, Nashville's the leading contender. Um, now obviously Nashville wants him. They made the Subban move probably to have the space to sign him. Um, but I looking at the the two rosters, the two situations, you know, I don't think that Nashville should be that much ahead of Columbus. I don't know how he's going to see it, but I feel like Columbus has a really good pitch to make here. And I don't think it's a bad thing that Duchesne is listening to other offers you know, obviously, yeah, if I were in that boat, I would be doing the same thing. It would be irresponsible for him to not listen to as many offers as he can. But I think all the cards on the table, Columbus has a really compelling case to him for that. And also, if you look at the other free agents, he's going to get paid. He's probably going to get overpaid, Um, you know, because there's just not a lot of good centers out there. Probably the second best center out there is Kevin Hayes. And look at the deal he got from Philly right. for a guy for a guy that has only scored over twenty goals once and only scored over fifty points once. And look what he got. Look what Jeff Skinner got. Like Duchesne's looking at probably at least nine million, probably upwards around ten million average cap hit, um, which Columbus can afford it by the cap. Is that too much to spend for a guy like Duchesne? I don't know. But I, I, where I'm leaning on, though, is I'm willing to overpay him just because there's no one else like him available. So just because of the scarcity of those kind of elite centers, that it might be worth it just to not lose him. Yeah. Um, first off, yeah, I am, I've been tired of the Panarin, Bobrovsky, all the free agent drama as far as Columbus goes. Um you know, you can't necessarily replace a Bobrovsky or a Panarin or even maybe a Duchesne. Well, put it this way. I know you can't necessarily uh, replace a, a game-breaker, dynamic player like a Panarin, but if these players want to move on, then move on, and let's just move on. And, you know, we'll do the, the Jacks will do their best as far as trying to uh, fulfill those spots and, you know, opportunities for the other guys. Like we were talking about with the development camp and other guys in the system. And, you know, I, I mean, as great as Bobrovsky was, I don't think they should resign him anyway for the contract that he would, you know, likely be getting. Um, and as far as Duchesne, even though I, I don't know, I, I, I'm tempted to think he's going to Nashville. Maybe I'm, uh, setting myself up for that so that the opposite happens and it's like, all right, I'm glad I was wrong, but, um, right. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like, I guess, um, I'm cautiously optimistic. I'm excited for the blue jackets, uh, potential going forward. And we talked about this. I'm not really, even though I joke about it in Slack, I'm not really, um, pissed off, angry, uh, thinking this team is done or anything like that. I think regardless of these guys came back or not. Yeah. If they came back. Sure. They're probably definitely a contender, but 
Um, I'm kind of interested to see how this team, like you said with Yarmo, uh, as far as making moves, he's going to do something. Um, he's been ballsy in a good way as far as finding the right players or getting the right deals done, making the team competitive and better. And I'm just interested to see how this team does moving forward, getting past all that drama with the contracts and just seeing what these other guys can do. Um, so, yeah, I'm just kind of... You know, a lot of people are on Twitter seem to be sad over losing Bobrovsky, and I get it, or Panarin, but I'm like, you know what? I'm just tired of all the drama. Let's just move on already. For what it's worth, I know we said we're tired of speculation. I am too. Chris Johnson from Sportsnet said on the 31 Thoughts pod that to him, there's a 100% chance of Duchesne going to Nashville. Him and Elliot Friedman both agreed that Bob and Panarin are going to Florida. So take that for what it's worth. We'll find out in a week. We knew from last summer that those two weren't going to be here, most likely. So we've had all year to think about this, all year to obsess over it. Well, one way or another, this will be resolved. And that's, I feel like I've said that before about other things. I think maybe it was the trade deadline and that wasn't resolved then. But regardless, it will be resolved in a week or so, fingers crossed. And it's always fun just to sit back on free agent you know, Monday, I guess it will be on July 1st, and just kind of watch everybody uh, freak out and watch everybody worry about the cap and worry about the on uh, impending labor stoppage, probably, when the cap doesn't go up, and then fight over escrow. And so it's all it's all good stuff that we get to revel in on July 1st. Oh, always, always fun to sit there refreshing the Twitter timeline, like waiting for the new rumors and the new signings to come out. Yeah, Right. You turn on Twitter notifications for certain writers, and then... Your phone buzzes and they're talking about like their airport or like whatever they're eating. And (laughs) it's a fun time. This is why we like hockey. And there's the other part of this is it's a long summer after this. You mentioned it. There's a lot of things that can happen, but there's a lot of things that will not happen because it is a boring time from after free agency all the way to training camp open. So let's enjoy this while we have it. Let's enjoy the the news, the drama, the rumors, because in a little bit, there won't be anything to pay attention to for the most part, except for cottage pictures on Instagram, which are pretty cool, but not really why we <laughs> like like hockey. We do at least know when the Blue Jackets will be playing their first game in Nationwide Arena, Friday, October 4th, against Toronto. The schedule should come out on Tuesday. That's exciting. It's exciting to already know how many days there are until Blue Jackets hockey. In Nationwide, it's about three months, give or take. So that's fun, right? I get the leaves in town. Yeah, that's kind of a uh, a tough hand dealt. It seems like a lot of the years recently, the home opener has been against a playoff team, um, and that can be sort of a challenging way to start the season. Uh, it was Carolina last year who turned out to be a playoff team. Uh, there was Boston a few years ago. The Rangers went back when they were good. Um, I guess the only easy one lately was the Islanders in uh, 2017, and that was an easy five nothing victory for us but other than that it's been a lot of tough wins and it's been a lot of a uh, lot of losses on opening night which as someone who always gets tickets to that game that's a little bit of a frustrating way to start the season when there's so much excitement but um hopefully the uh whatever the roster looks like looks like we'll be up to it and uh, as, as someone in the comments joked uh it can be mitch marner starting the season against his old team <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't that be something 
Yeah, I, uh, I'm looking forward to the schedule release, just the kind of, I don't know, it's crazy because it's only, you know, late June, almost July, and it's just like, oh, it seems so long away, but at the same time, then that time will come and we'll look back on, like, free agency. I don't know, it's, it's, always, it's always kind of fun to plot, to look ahead, um, kind of talk about, you know, oh, here's a potential tough stretch or here's a maybe a winning, a winnable stretch or whatever, um, but we don't even know what the roster will look like yet, but... Yeah, I'm kind of interested to see whether it's back-to-backs or, you know, when the West Coast trip is, the Canadian West Coast trip. So, yeah, it is exciting. And just kind of thinking about it, um, talking about kind of what we were talking about a segment ago as far as uh, certain teams like the Islanders ended up being a playoff team or look at the Blues going from last in the NHL to winning the Cup in the same season. So, just kind of between the schedule and this time of year of free agency, it's like, well... The way teams have been lately, certain teams winning when you may not have expected it or the Devils being up and down and maybe they're going to be up again after their latest moves. I think there's optimism for Columbus in that aspect as far as just thinking like, well, okay, it's not ideal to lose certain players potentially, but other teams made it work. Columbus has to figure something out anyway. Yeah, yeah, I guess we can kind of be uh, Schrodinger's hockey team in the summer. They can either be really good or really bad. We just we just <laughs> don't know until the season actually starts. Quantum hockey. Well, you, Will, I'm glad you mentioned some of those other teams because the Metro in the past week has undergone quite the transformation with the New York Rangers making the trade for Jacob Truba, who, by the way, they play in the first game of the season. Then they have uh, you know Philadelphia doing whatever Philadelphia is doing. Kind of difficult to parse. They, I think they just made a trade a couple hours ago. And then... You have New Jersey going after Subban and getting him, you know, for, for a year. The Metro has has gone buck wild over the last week with respect to other divisions. And I think that also factors into how Jackets fans view basically standing pat right now, even though I'm arguing that their hands are kind of tied due to past decisions. It's interesting to see and where this is all going to shake out, but hats off to other teams in the Metro. And of course, Will, I think you mentioned it. Bunch of years ago, it was the Jackets had to get out of the West to be competitive, yeah. and now and now the Metros, you know, gangbusters. I, I feel like the Blue Jackets have been potentially in the the best, you know, strength wise, the best division almost every single year of their existence. That might not exactly be true, but it just feels like well, they're there in the Central Division back with the Red Wings and the Blues, and now um, in the Metro with the Caps and the Penguins and the Rangers and just you know different teams that are either very competitive or they're on their way back up or the Stanley Cup has been in that division the last couple of seasons. It's just like, you know, the joke was when they were in the West, it was like, oh, if they could just go to the East, they'd be good. And then it's like, well, they're in the East and now it seems like the West is a little bit down. So not taking anything, you know, not making excuses for Columbus because they're just going to have to beat the best to be the best. But it is kind of funny, I guess, about it seems like their division is always among the very best or at least potentially the best with all the moves the teams make. And oh, talking about the schedule real fast, you mentioned the Rangers getting Jacob Truba. And um, I think that's one thing I liked that the NHL did. I mean, maybe it's a coincidence, but I love the opening night uh, home openers like the Rangers are playing the Jets right away or the Sharks are playing the Knights. And we, we give the NHL so much slack, but whether it's a coincidence or not, it just – I think it's it's only perfect, I guess, that certain uh, matchups are going to be what they are right away. 
Um, and even Jacob Truba subtweeted when it said the Rangers were going to play the Jets. He said, who paid the NHL to do this or who paid the guy to, to set this up? <laughs> yeah. So whether it's coincidence or not, I thought that was perfect for a change. The NHL got it right. I actually did a couple years ago go through the – it was January 2018 on the site and went through and looked at the last 10 years the Jackets had been. It was five Metro seasons, five Central seasons. And, yeah, it was normally either the toughest or the second toughest division based on average points per team. So it, they yeah. do perpetually play in a meat grinder, and it looks like it's not getting any easier going forward, which is just fantastic. Yeah, which our, our, our own Dan P in the comments today uh, – made some great points about that, about how over the last five years or so, the Metro has had Pittsburgh and Washington, who have been consistently competitive, have won, mm-hmm. you know, three cups among them in the last four seasons with these you know, generational type players. But then of the rest of the teams, there have been a lot of lottery wins. A lot of times of these teams picking in the top three. So the Devils have won the lottery twice. Mm-hmm. You know, the Flyers have picked second. The Rangers have picked second. We moved up from fourth to third to pick Dubois. Uh, you know, Carolina got Svechnikov. Like, it's, there's been a lot of elite talents coming into the division. And unfortunately, uh, it mostly has not been coming to the Jackets and doesn't look like it will be in the near future. <laughs> uh, and, and that's a little bit frustrating. It's it's a very much an uphill, uh, uphill battle. But uh, sometimes I think this team does – best when people are counting us out when no one is expecting good things from us so hopefully that's the case again next season right and you know carolina the charlotte checkers won the calder cup and that doesn't always translate into prospects coming over but you can certainly see from the jackets oliver bjorkshin josh anderson you know where played on that team when he came up from michigan those guys do bubble up and you can't always draw a straight line from ahl success to nhl success with regards to the organization but Hats off to the checkers and hats off to the Carolina organization because it's it's difficult enough to find a spot on that team for the guys they have now. And, and it looks like they're only getting stronger from from the minors going up. So it's always it's always something. I say that about everything, but it's always something. <laughs> anyway, we are actually running out of time. So let's go ahead and do some final thoughts. Will, do you have anything? I do. I have to... Uh... I have to mention Seeds. He wanted us to give a shout-out to the U.S. US women's national team winning uh, the World Cup game today and to Megan Rapinoe. Is that how you say his name? Megan Rapinoe. Rapinoe, (laughs) sorry. I knew I was going to butcher that, so I should have tried to find out first. But I just wanted to mention it because he wanted us to give a shout-out, so that's my final thought. American hero. Thank you, Seeds. Thank you, Will. PD. Uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Lily Schwartz on Twitter, who had a good thread today, pointing out reasons for Blue Jackets fans to be optimistic. And she went through running down a number of the young players on the team and some of the prospects coming up and their accomplishments so far. And if you go through there, if if you feel a little bit gloomy about the Jackets, go look up that thread and uh, you might feel a little bit better and know that even if these free agents leave, the, the cupboard is not bare. Like there's still a lot of talent there for this team to be competitive. Will it be enough in a increasingly stacked Metro division? I don't know, but there's something there at least. Yes, the thread starts off with, hope my thread helps some of y'all acting like the CBJ are dead. So <laughs> they're definitely they're definitely not dead. <laughs> they're not yet dead. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> 
My final thought is kind of a bummer. The NHL, we kind of ran out of time to talk about it, and it's boring as hell anyway, so it's fine not to talk about. But they made the rule change last week, one of which being you can have unlimited challenges, but you will pay for them if you are wrong. You'll get a minor the first time and then a double minor every one after that, and you can challenge stoppages, uh, things that should have been a stoppage, like how the Jackets got a goal off of a puck that went into the net. That's fine, I guess. I'm worried. I, when I was a kid, I'm 32 years old. When I was a kid, they started introducing replay, and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. And I do generally, I guess, still think so, that you know, if we have the technology to review things. That said, the Women's World Cup has been nearly unwatchable for some of these games with VAR and every single penalty kick and goal and watching the game sort of grind to a halt, particularly England Cameroon over the weekend. That was a real kind of kick in the stomach to watch where everything was reviewed and, and the momentum was taken away. And I think the NHL will do a little bit better probably because the infrastructure is already in place to do reviews and gotten a little hairy with uh, the women's game and the way they introduced VAR right before the cup and the training that may not have been there. Regardless, I think I may be getting off the replay train. I think we've seen it kind of spiral out of control and I ban replay. <laughs> there it is from PD ban replay. So I don't know. I'm just, it, it's kind of a bummer because the women's world cup is such a great event and to watch every single game come down to VAR. I mean, even the women's, uh, the United States game today against, um, against Spain. There was the, the penalty kick that was looked at on the second penalty kick. And yeah, it was soft, but technically, I mean, we are parsing inches here for offside calls, which kind of goes against the spirit of the rule. It happened in the Colorado game with Nathan McKinnon in the playoffs where we saw him technically offsides, but it was during the line change. I don't need to rehash it here, relitigate it. That's what it is now. So I think I'm getting off replay. That's, that's my final thought. We had a hockey trade to go down just now. What was it? The uh, So the Hurricanes and the Blackhawks did a trade that sends former Blue Jacket Anton Forsberg to the Hurricanes with Calvin DeHaan going oh, to wow. the Blackhawks. Gustav Forsling also goes to Carolina. And I'm going to butcher another name for the night. Alexi Sarella goes to Chicago. So uh, Anton Forsberg, who obviously you know has had his struggles, will probably be the next dominant goalie in the Metro against Columbus. <laughs> put that out there. Never-ending optimism from us. Wow, so Carolina just loves those former Columbus backup goalies. Yeah, exactly. He'll be a hero just like McElhaney. <laughs> All right. Well, that will do it for us. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Hellman Moons, who have a new album, 430. And they also got a shout-out from Aaron Portsland the other day. So good for Angela Purley and the Hellman Moons. Check them out at AngelaPurley.com. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this podcast, share it with somebody. Rate us. Leave us a review on iTunes. We welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJ Cannon and comment, read all of our stuff at jackinscannon.com. From all of us at the Cannon, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week.
I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts.